0: This evening we're going to consider The counsel of the Lord shall stand Genesis chapter 27 verses 1 through to 29 Before we look at Genesis I'd like to quote a verse from Proverbs chapter 19 verse 21 where it's written There are many devices in a man's heart Nevertheless the counsel of the Lord shall shall stand. The counsel of the Lord can be thought of as being God's eternal and unchangeable and most wise decree. It is unchanging, it cannot be frustrated, even by the most imaginative and most wicked schemes of sinful men and women. When I say sinful men and women, I don't just mean people who might call themselves Atheists or maybe Satanists or evolutionists, people who have no interest in the Saviour's blood. I mean everybody and that includes the blood washed, redeemed of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've already seen an example of the council of the Lord standing despite godly Abraham And his wife, Sarah, taking matters into their own hands. This is just to show you that people, even God's people, will at times endeavour to frustrate God's decree. And it comes to nothing. But coming back to Abraham and Sarah, you may recall that the Lord made a promise to Abraham of blessings to all families of the earth And the blessing was in him and his seed, which we have already seen to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And all who are in him. And uh, the figures of speech that were given were the seed being as the sand on the seashore or as the stars in the sky. It's been seen that Abraham's seed is Jesus and who? So all of those who were baptised into him, they are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise that was given to him and to his seed. Abraham's wife Sarah, who was barren, she was old, she was barren, she couldn't have children, she provided her handmaid Hagar to produce an heir for Abraham. After all, if Abraham was going to be um, the father of many nations and if all nations of the earth were going to be blessed in Abraham and his seed, obviously he'd need to have a son. And his wife Sarah wasn't able to produce a son for him. So she took it upon herself to provide her handmaid Hagar. And consequently Abraham went in with Hagar And Ishmael was born. However, that was not in accordance with God's purpose. Fourteen years later, Isaac was born to Abraham and Sarah. The Lord had opened Sarah's womb. And she conceived and she brought forth Isaac. Fourteen years after the child of the handmaid Hagar Hagar was born. And the Lord said to Abraham, In Isaac shall thy seed be called that always was the case but now uh, but we see it's clearly uh, the Lord clearly tells Abraham in Isaac shall thy seed be called in fact a year before Sarah became pregnant with Isaac the Lord said to Abraham Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed and thou shalt call his name Isaac and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Isaac knew very well that in him and in his seed shall all families of the earth be blessed. So the, bless, uh, the promise of blessings gone from Abraham to his son Isaac and ultimately it, it leads to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's entirely reasonable to assume that Isaac's father Abraham would have told him about the promise of blessings. But also, in chapter 26, verses 1 to 4, it is written, And there was a famine in the land, beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down unto into Egypt, dwell in the land which i shall tell thee of sojourn in this land and i will be with thee and will bless thee for unto thee and unto thy seed i will give all these countries and i will perform the oath which i swear unto abraham my father and i will make thy seed to multiply as the stars in the sky uh, the stars of heaven and will give unto thy seed all these countries and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed that that promise there is twofold it 's speaking about the the, the countries of uh, Canaan and, the, and all the countries around there, but also the blessing goes way beyond that to all families of the earth through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly blessings, eternal blessings, in the promised seed, the Lord Jesus. But as for the the land of Canaan and various other uh, lands, such as Jericho, for example, that was the first uh, that was the first land that the Israelites conquered, wasn't it? When they received the promised land from God, they conquered Jericho. Well. The possession of all those lands was about 300 years after the promise was given to Isaac. So what can be seen is that the unchanging counsel of the Lord prevailed concerning the ancestral line of the promised seed, the Lord Jesus Christ, passing through Isaac. And that was despite Sarah's big idea to provide her husband Abraham with a child by her handmaid. Again, many are the devices in men's hearts, but the counsel of the Lord, that will prevail. Last, well not last week, it was two weeks ago in fact, we saw that when Isaac's wife Rebecca was pregnant with Esau and his younger brother uh, Jacob, the Lord said to Rebecca in chapter 25 verse 23, two nations are in thy womb, And two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger. We saw the significance of that two weeks ago. When the older child, um, Esau, was born, the younger one, Jacob, was holding on to his heel. As Esau was coming out, as he was being born. Strictly speaking, the blessings would go to the older child, to Esau. But we saw very clearly in Paul, the Apostle Paul's explanation of things in Romans chapter 9. Uh, the Lord says, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And Jacob would receive the blessings. Just as his father Isaac received the blessings and just as Isaac's father or Jacob's grandfather Abraham had received the blessings, the promise of blessings from God. That was God's decree that it would be Jacob and not his older brother um, Esau. Notice was thereby given by the Lord that Esau would serve his younger brother Jacob and it has been seen that in time to come Esau the older brother, his descendants the Edomites, they were uh, subjugated by the children of Israel. The children of Israel descended from Jacob. So it's exactly as was decreed by God. The the oldest shall serve the younger, and then all those hundreds of years later, the descendants of Esau, the older brother, were uh, they served the Israelites, the children of Israelites, who were the descendants of Jacob. But most significant of all, we had a quick look. Looking at, we looked ahead. To chapter 28 verse 14 where the Lord said to Jacob and, and this is something that I'll, we'll be looking at um, next week I guess <clears throat> 28 verse 14 we'll be looking at it in much more detail next week where it's written where the Lord says to Jacob and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth and thou shalt spread abroad to the west to the east, to the north, to the south, and to, th- and in thee, and in thy seed, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. There you have it again. This promise of worldwide blessings, which is speaking of, uh, which speaks of, um, blessings that come through faith in the promised seed, the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they, the blessings would be in the line of Jacob, as they were of his father Isaac and Abraham. Therefore Jacob, the father of Israel, to whom God gave the land of Canaan, and from Israel came the promised seed, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was of the tribe of Judah, according to his humanity, Jesus. He came from uh, the tribe of Judah, the house of David, an Israelite, the children of Israel. What we're going to see today is the working out of God's purpose for Jacob, despite all the sinful schemes and machinations and manoeuvres of the Lord's people, namely Jacob's father Isaac, his mother Rebecca, and not least of all, Jacob himself. We're going to see a lot of scheming going on here today, but ultimately the counsel of the Lord will prevail. First of all, we see Isaac disregarded the word of God. Look again at uh, chapter chapter 27, verses 1 to 4. And it came to pass, that when Isaac was old, and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see, he called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold now, I am old, and uh, I know not the day of my death. Now therefore, Take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow. Go out to the field and take me some venison and make me savoury meat such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. (coughs) He was an old man, Isaac was, but it would be about another 40 years before his death. Even so, the time had come for Isaac to bless his two sons, Jacob who would one day be called Israel and his older brother Esau. And we see just from those first verses that Isaac had every intention of imparting the greater blessing to the older brother Esau. And that, that greater blessing would have included the land of Canaan, That is despite the Lord having said to his wife Rebecca that when when she was pregnant with the two boys two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels and the one people shall be stronger than the other people and the elder shall serve the younger. Again the Lord had said all of that to Isaac's wife Rebecca when she was pregnant with the two boys that the older shall serve the younger. Now, we are, and I'm going to blame John Calvin for this, because I I looked at his commentary, we are arguing a little bit from silence here, or quite a lot from silence, but it seems reasonable to say that unless Isaac Isaac and his wife Rebecca weren't really communicating properly, and I know that happens, between husbands and wives, it happens in be, with me, Pauline and myself. It's normally my fault, um, of course. But you'd imagine that something as important as the Lord coming to Rebecca and speaking—the Lord speaking to Rebecca when she was pregnant with the two boys and telling her what He did—that the the older shall serve the younger there'll be two nations, there are two nations in your womb and the older shall serve the younger I, um, John, uh, John Calvin and others and me uh, we are thinking that she would have communicated that to her husband Isaac Calvin said Isaac is blindly carried away by the love of his firstborn son to prefer him to the other. And in this way, he contends against the oracle of God. For he could not be ignorant of that which God had pronounced before the children were born. In neglecting to inquire, respecting his duty, when he had been informed of the heavenly oracle by his wife, his indolence was by no means excusable. His favourite son was the oldest. Esau, who made all that nice venison for him, his favourite meal and his favourite son. The point is that Isaac intended to bless Esau with the greater blessing, despite knowing that God's favour rested not upon Esau, but upon Jacob. And the reason for Jacob's transgression of the word of God was quite simply that although he knew that the Lord favoured Jacob, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. He nevertheless favoured his older son Esau because he enjoyed eating the the, the meat that his older son brought to him. Consequently, instead of seeking to do God's will, it would seem that Isaac caved in to his belly and pleaded with Esau to go out and hunt some game before blessing him. Esau being his favourite son. We can smugly and self-righteously condemn Isaac, or else with regret, we we can relate to him yielding to carnal desires instead of happily yielding to the word of God. And isn't it true, dear Christian, that all too often our own obedience to the God of our salvation is on our terms? and in accordance with whatever is convenient and pleasing to the sinful flesh. We can very easily put aside worship, whatever, if something else comes along. We do these things. But where sin abounds, the grace of God abounds even more, and we shall see that to be the case. For example, as we shall see Isaac unwittingly blessed Jacob instead of blessing his favourite son um, Esau and when he found out what he'd done he trembled very exceedingly according to verse 33 I didn't read that one to you look at verse 33 this is after it became clear that Isaac had inadvertently blessed um, Jacob instead of his favourite son Esau Verse 33, and Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who, where is he that hath taken venison and brought it to me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest, and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. So he trembled very exceedingly, and Calvin explained that the faith which had been smothered in the breast of that holy man shines forth. And he emits fresh, fresh sparks, for there is no doubt that his fear springs from faith. Once he realised what uh, happened there—that he blessed um, Jacob instead of his favourite son Esau—he didn't try to re- uh, retract the blessing or anything like that. The blessing stood, and he was—he trembled exceed, very exceedingly. And he with, he refused to withdraw that blessing, even when his favourite son Esau pleaded with him. Then in chapter 28 verses 1 to 4, which we haven't looked at this evening, being mindful of the promises of God, Isaac again blesses Jacob concerning the promised land of Canaan, saying to him, God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee and thou mayest be a multitude of people and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger which God gave unto Abraham. So after all this that we're looking at in chapter 27 he Isaac once again has his has his mind and his eyes his focus <coughs> upon God's will being done God's unchanging decrees and he issues that blessing that formal blessing to his younger son Jacob in in chapter 28 verses 1 to 4 and grace upon grace Isaac who had initially been more interested in his favorite son and his belly than in God's decree, has a place in the chapter of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 20 in the New Testament where it is written, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. We'll now consider the blessing being received by Jacob instead of Esau through the devious and deceitful plan of Rebecca, which was executed by the equally deceitful Jacob. Look at verse 5 in chapter 27. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. Rebekah's favourite son was not Esau, her favourite son was the other son, Jacob. And when she heard her husband telling Esau to go out and get some venison before receiving the blessing, She put together a most cunning and devious plan to secure the blessing for her favourite son, for Jacob. She commanded Jacob to fetch two good kids of the goats which he would use to prepare a delicious meal for her, her husband Isaac and being his wife she would have known exactly how to prepare a meal that he would enjoy. Rebecca then dressed Jacob in his brother's clothes, which smelt of his brother Esau. Esau was a hairy man, so Rebecca put the skins of the kids of the goats on Jacob's hands and neck. When Jacob came to his father, pretending to be his older brother Esau, what proceeded from his mouth was lie upon lie. Look at verses 19 and 20. Let's see if we can spot the lies here. So Jacob, he's come to his father pretending to be his older brother Esau. And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. Lie. I have done according as thou badest me. Lie. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat my venison. Lie. (coughs) Lie. that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, how is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Well, what about that one? The Lord, his answer there was, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Well, I thought it was because his mother told him to go out and get two two kids of the goats and bring them back to her and then she'll prepare a nice meal for him. Here he's saying, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Is he not taking the Lord's name in vain there? Apart from anything else. It's a lie and he's taking the Lord's name in vain. Even though Jacob didn't sound like Esau... Isaac nevertheless fell for the deception after smelling him and touching him and so he blessed him. Rebecca had sought to secure the blessing for Jacob and not Esau and she succeeded. Although it was always God's purpose for Jacob whom God loved to receive the blessing and not Esau and, and Rebecca knew that because uh, again the Lord um, spoke to Rebecca when she was pregnant with the two boys and she said you have two nations in your womb the older shall serve the younger she knew all that but even so that's no excuse for rebecca to deceive her husband as she did and it most certainly does not excuse jacob's deception his lies and his taking the lord's name in vain That brings us back to what I said at the beginning in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 21. It is written, There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. The counsel of the Lord can be thought of as being God's eternal, unchangeable, most wise decree. We've certainly seen this to be the case in chapter 27, that the, the counsel of the, of the Lord prevailed. Jacob, whom the Lord loved, he received the blessing from Isaac. And then Isaac, he confirmed the blessings in chapter 28, in the first four verses of chapter 28, despite all the goings-on uh, that we've seen in chapter 27. Interestingly about 30 years later the great deceiver Jacob would himself be deceived when his favourite son Joseph was sold by his older brothers to Midianite merchants for 20 pieces of silver and Joseph was taken off to Egypt. The brothers had thought to leave Joseph in a pit to die but then Midianite uh, Midianites came along and they sold him to the Midianites. The deception against Jacob came after Joseph's brothers returned home. They took Joseph's coat with them. They, d- they dipped it in, uh, in, the, in the blood of the goats. And they took it home with them. When they got home, they handed the coat to their father. His favourite son's coat, Joseph's coat, with blood on it. And they led him to think that an evil beast had devoured him. That simply wasn't true. They'd sold him to those Midianite merchants for 20 pieces of silver. So there we see the deceiver getting deceived. Despite the despicable actions of Joseph's brother, once again it can be seen that the counsel of the Lord would prevail. Joseph was a slave in Egypt and he was imprisoned on a trumped up charge of making advances towards his master's wife. The reality was that he fled from her when she made amorous advances on him and then she falsely accused him when he, when he ran away from her. Whilst in prison, Joseph was forewarned by the Lord in a dream that there would be seven years of famine. When Pharaoh heard about that, he made Joseph second in charge of Egypt and gave him responsibility for the grain the grain stores during the time of famine. So Joseph came into Egypt as a slave. He went to prison, came out of prison, and he became a very important official, perhaps second under Pharaoh um, in the land, in charge of all the food stores during the time of famine. During that famine, Jacob, Joseph's father, sent his sons to Egypt to get food supplies, whereupon they were reunited with Joseph. And Joseph said to them, when it became apparent, when they realised what was going on, well, this is Joseph, who we our, our younger brother Joseph, who we sold to Midianite merchants all those years ago. And now he's an important official. In Egypt, but Joseph said to them, "Fear not for, for am I in the place of God, but as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive, which he did. he was in charge of the stores and it, and his strategies prevented people from dying of starvation during the famine. And we see God's decree there, despite the evil intents of his brothers. And even though the Lord does not make people sin, does not make people sin, he nevertheless permitted Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery. That cruel and despicable act was done by God's decree, by his secret providence, in order to bring about good. And going back to chapter 27. All the. What we saw going on there. In chapter 27. With Rebecca. Um, encouraging her. Favourite son. Jacob. To pretend that he was his oldest son. Esau. Uh, in order to receive the blessing. All of that. God. Does not. Cause people to sin. People do that of their own accord but the counsel of the Lord will prevail and what is the, 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 the greatest example of that do you think the counsel of the Lord prevailing despite the most wicked schemes of sinful men we see no greater, greater example of the counsel of the Lord prevailing not because of but in spite of man's wicked schemes than the cross where the Lord Jesus Christ was lifted up to die between two thieves. On the day of Pentecost, not many days after Jesus ascended to heaven, the Apostle Peter plainly charged the Jews with putting to death the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter said to the the, the audience of, of Jews, Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, A man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Wicked men did those things. They did it by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. Um, And when you read the scriptures, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And in the fullness of time, in God's perfect time, we see these wicked men laying hold of the Lord Jesus Christ, nailing him to a cross and lifting him up to die. And again it it might be said to quote Joseph when he spoke to his brothers as for you ye thought evil against me but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as is this day to save much people alive. Indeed all who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ have life everlasting through faith in him. Note that the most contemptible The most loathsome sin was committed when Jesus was delivered to those wicked men by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. Could God have stopped it from happening? Of course he could, but he didn't. And wicked men, they laid hold of the Lord Jesus Christ and they crucified him. The incarnate Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the sacrificial lamb slain and God's eternal decree was implemented and accomplished in the fullness of time when those wicked hands nailed Jesus to the cross. The Bible clearly teaches that Jesus laid down his life as a sacrifice for sin in accordance with God's eternal decree. And then he rose on the third day Even so, that does not excuse those who crucified him. When Jesus was crucified, even though wicked men had committed the most despicable of sins, God nevertheless meant it for good. So much so, that amongst those who were accused by Peter of crucifying Jesus, we see some of the fruit that was brought forth by the sacrificial death and resurrection of the lord jesus on that day about 3000 souls who were listening to peter came to repentance and were uh, and were baptized in the name of jesus for the forgiveness of their sins more broadly as you all as all of you who are trusting in jesus know and can testify for yourselves everyone who believes that when Jesus was taken, when he was crucified and slain by wicked hands, if you believe in Jesus, you can testify that he was wounded for your transgressions. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. The Lord laid on him your iniquity. Wicked hands took hold of Jesus. Wicked hands now to him to a cross. Wicked hands lifted him up to die on that cross. But we also read in the prophecy of Isaiah that the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. That is all of us who are trusting in him. God's eternal decree being put into, uh, being accomplished. You are crucified with Christ Dear Christian, all your sins including your wicked schemes and all those times that you put the desires of your sinful flesh before doing that which is pleasing in God's sight and you find the most, and I find the most imaginative excuses for it, have been atoned for when Jesus poured out his lifeblood and he laid down his life and consequently you're forgiven all your sins just as no doubt, well they were, there's no doubt about it at all. Um, Jacob, the great deceiver there, was forgiven all his sins. Furthermore, you have everlasting life in your risen Saviour and you stand before God, your Heavenly Father, washed in the blood of his only begotten Son. You are clothed in garments of salvation. You are adorned in a robe of righteousness, which is the righteousness of your great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who, on your behalf, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Amen.